Amen. Thank you, platform workers. Thank you for your liberality this morning. Before the service gets started, we have a testimony. Pastor Brooks is going to come and give that. Give him a hand. Amen. Praise God. So we had a wonderful time at Outreach. Just want to give a real quick testimony about it. Uh, so we gathered here, uh, sang, song, prayed. And so we went out to uh, back to where we went last week to the trailer park. Um, and so we went out there. Uh, it was good to see some uh, some new faces that were there. Uh, amen. On outreach that I had never seen on outreach, but praise God, they were there uh, ready to go. And so we went to the neighborhood, uh, began to witness, really open people there. Uh, I think we got a couple of numbers. Some people got some numbers, got some contact information. And so uh, it was wonderful. So after that, so we, pr uh, we outreached for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes or so. And then we went back to Old Faithful, the corner. It's not an outreach without the corner. And so we went to the corner right here on Wawa, amen, and began to preach. And we had, amen, one of our young teenagers preach on, uh, for I believe the first time, uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the microphone there and began to just believe God for that and he preaching away. And so we had others come in, join in. So, you know, one, it can't, it's not fun if only one gets some. And so we all get on there and start preaching and, 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 and God really moved. But, but what I want to say with these outreaches is that we definitely want to see people saved. Can you say amen? We definitely want to see people saved, not taking anything away from that. But there is a dynamic there that when we come together as a group for one purpose, amen, God begins to breathe on that. God begins to do things in the hearts and lives of the people there, on the people that are hearing the word. And so just encourage them, be on outreach. If you've never been to outreach, don't, don't be shy. It's just like going to the food lion and talking to the person in front of you about the food. You're just talking to them about Jesus. If you take that attitude, you can witness. And so just encourage you, next outreach, show up. Believe God. Let's see what God will do. Amen. Amen. That's all I Praise God. Amen. Appreciate that. If you got your Bibles, they Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Hallelujah. You know, the machine gun invented by the American Richard Gatlin uh, in 1861, it and it began to be used by the U.S. Army in 1865. They say the machine gun was a game changer. It gave the U.S. the advantage in war because it can fire 500 to 1,000 shots per minute. So you can imagine uh, the advantage that we had. Uh, before the machine gun was a muzzle loader. Uh, their barrel was less accurate, and their muzzle loader, or the, a good muzzle loader, could only fire between two and four shots per minute. So we look at, the, think the difference here. Uh, I mean, you're going from firing two to Four shots per minute, a good loader, to fire in 500 to 1,000 shots, uh, that means protection. That means the enemy is going to be in trouble. Can you say, ma'am? And I thought about that. You know, when Jesus came, he changed the church world from a two to four shot per minute muzzle loader to a rapid machine gun firing thing. Jesus changed the world when he came, and he changed the whole uh, Jesus' whole ministry was around evangelizing. He called men and discipled them to evangelize the world. The last commandment Jesus gave to his disciples is after his death and resurrection. But before his ascension, Mark 16, 15, he said to them, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Evangelism is bringing the spiritual machine gun and it blows holes in the enemy lines, breaks through the devil's armor and knocks down his strongholds, demolishes demonic forces uh, and gives victory to the church. That's what Pastor Brooks talking about. Uh, when you evangelize, there's something that happens. Uh, we gather together, we're a force and we evangelize and and Jesus changed the world by that, by simply evangelizing, bringing men together, bringing the church together, uh, changed how everybody did business. Look at chapter 8 of, book, uh, the, of Acts, the book of Acts, we start at verse 1. It said, now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution rose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they all scattered throughout the region of Judea, and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen uh, to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things which was spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out, or crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great, and there was great joy in the city. But there is a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed. From the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. But when they believed Philip, and he, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, then was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. And now when the apostles where Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent uh, Peter and John to them. When they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the, the, uh, he had followed up on none of them. Uh, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they laid hands on them and they, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, asking you for your presence, your power. God, speak to every man, every woman here. God, cause us to have that edge. God, give us a heart to evangelize, to speak your name. Uh, God, to an ungodly generation, God, that that light may be shining. God's souls would get saved. Lives would be changed. Uh, I pray, help us as a church, God, be that evangelistic church of that edge. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Preach on turning the tide this morning. Let's look at first the clash, the great clash. In our text, we have both we have the power of God and the power of the demonic at work. Verse 1, Paul is consenting to Stephen's death. Uh, the church is going through a great time of persecution. The Bible says Saul is causing havoc, cause, finding out the addresses of every Christian, entering their houses, dragging them off, committing them to prison. Those that didn't get dragged off to prison, though, said went out evangelizing and preaching the word of God 
everywhere. We can only imagine this. We don't know persecution like this today. Just for coming to church, just for worshiping Jesus, just for uh, coming together to worship God, uh, they would break down our door, drag you off to church, beat you on the way, uh, uh, commit you to prison just for doing what we're doing this morning. We don't know that. Thank God for that. But this is what was going on in our text. You're finding addresses. Uh, you imagine kicking the door down, grabbing your children uh, by the hair, dragging them out, uh, dragging your wife out, uh, uh, dra and t put, bringing them to prison, abusing them. That was what was going on here. And that's, as that's going on, the ones that didn't get caught, the ones that didn't get drug off, the Bible said went out preaching everywhere. That's amazing to me. They're not hiding and finding a bunker, hiding out, uh, I hope they don't catch me. They're going out preaching the gospel. Evangelizing is bringing all of who God is to the fight. They said, listen, uh, if the devil's going to attack us, uh, we're going after him. We're bringing all of God, who God is, uh, to this uh, amen, outreach. We see this. The Bible said Peter's preaching and praying for the sick. So Peter went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And it wasn't only filled, there's a lot of guys scattered going with him, I'm sure. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which were done by him. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there's great joy in that city. They slapped the devil right back. <laughs> there's a great clash. Uh, the devil said, I'm going to bring down the church. And they said, you know, we're going to bring down you. This thing, uh, Philip is in the town square. He's not hiding. Uh, he's in the town square preaching. He's casting out devils, praying for the sick, uh, seeing the paralyzed, the lame, the crippled, the healed. And the whole town's witnessing this. The church is there. Philip's there. The whole town is witnessing, uh, witnessing this. Listen, if we're going to be an evangelistic church, there's going to be clashes with hell and the demonic. Amen. Satan thought that the church would tuck tail and run by dragging some off and putting them into prison. But the church pulled out the machine gun uh, and started blowing holes in the devil's armor. The church is witnessing, Peter, Philip is preaching. Uh, think about the surprise of hell here. They're surprised as you can be. The, they thought like every other church, uh, uh, they're just going to make some noise and the church is going to run, but not this church. Amen. This church said, no, we're going to fight back. Uh, I mean, they're witnessing, praying for this. They're casting out these devils. <laughs> Amen. That are, that have just dragged off people from a church. Uh, now they're casting them out, getting people healed uh, and set free. That's bringing all who God is to that outreach. See, truth is, we're in a fight this morning. Souls aren't free. Every soul is a battle this morning. Uh, Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I fought with the beast at Ephesus. Uh, Listen, if we're willing to fight, God will give us souls and converts, uh, men and women uh, that will get saved and converted if we get in the fight. Amen. If we're willing to fight, uh, amen, God will move for us. Some of my greatest victories came through time of hard fighting. I want to mention a few of them. In Zambia, uh, we were there for four years. Uh, Shelly was there with us. Uh, uh, she can testify. It was, some of it was 
rough fighting, amen. Uh, but I remember just uh, hitting these outreaches, hitting strong. We'd rally a bunch of people from our church. We're hitting this strong. All of a sudden, these colleges just begin to open up. Two colleges uh, uh, begin, hey, come uh, to us. We begin to go to these colleges, and the, and the headmaster asked me, can you come and preach? And uh, it wasn't, hey, it wasn't voluntarily, hey, you might come to these guys. Over there, it's still not, it's you better be here. The headmaster said, every student uh, in this college, you better be at this uh, classroom. And it was an auditorium that would feed uh, probably 12, 1,300. It was packed every time. I would preach and probably five, 600 people would get saved. Uh, it was powerful, but listen, we had to fight for that. I remember on a few outreaches, the police chased us and put AK-47s to our head, threatened to kill us uh, if we didn't uh, go home and quit outreaching. Uh, there was other times where members of our church were beaten by their family members for coming to church. And that went on and on, but there was a time I got taken to jail. And so there was a fight, but we said, we're going to fight for every soul. Uh, and God gave us great revival in that church. You can ask Shelley, we had... A lot of young people rising up, uh, bands, I mean, miracle bands. We had rap bands, uh, I mean, rock and roll bands. Uh, uh, Shelly's up there singing in Bimba. Nobody's even heard that language. That was their language. But that was just a supernatural movement of God. Because we didn't back down. We said we're not going to back down uh, uh, when the fight got started. Today, that church has 20 churches out of it. They've been able to launch 20 Young couples, amen, to go different parts in Africa. In Killeen, we had revival, but I remember Wayne and Diane can testify. I remember our first, uh, uh, I first got there the first time we showed up for an outreach. It was pouring down raining. Remember that? It was pouring down raining. Uh, we probably had 40, 50, 60 people there. They're, okay, what are you going to do, Pastor? I mean, it's pouring down uh, raining. Uh, I felt the devil wanting to mock me. Uh, what are you going to do, pastor? And I said, I looked at him, I said, God, I'm going, uh, you can go home if you want, you can come with me. Uh, and everybody says, yes! And we all went in force, we're like wet puppy dogs out there. I mean, we're rain, we're drenched, we're knocking on doors, folks are looking at us. Uh, but I think that service, six people got saved that day. And God powerfully moved, but we fought hell uh, for them souls. My last outreach in Mitchell's Plain, South Africa, I had a young guy Followed me around, cursing me the whole time. Insulting me, white man, uh, what are you doing cursing me? Uh, uh, and different things, a whole outreach. But today, uh, there's couples launched out of that church uh, and things, good things happening. My point is this morning, if we will evangelize and street preach, hell's going to show up, but we're going to get the victory. We will have the victory if we will evangelize. I want you to notice what the church didn't do in our text. They didn't back down, shut down, and quit. You know, during this pandemic, uh, we're having some of the great outreaches we've ever had. Amen. We're seeing growth, convert growth. Uh, we're seeing people saved. Uh, we're taking advantage of these riots. Amen. Yep. It's funny when we're out there, they all think we're Black Lives Matter, so nobody says nothing. <laughs> and nobody going to challenge him, guys. You know, they just, uh, so it's giving us uh, liberty. We're taking advantage of that. We're preaching Jesus. Uh, nobody's saying nothing. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are beaten, thrown into prison for preaching. But verse 25, 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and all the prisoners were listening to them. Eyes are on us. Listen, when we're preaching, we're obeying God, when we stay with it, evangelize, uh, we may think nobody's noticing, but people are noticing. People are looking, uh, and they, because people want the real deals. Paul and Silas is preaching. You know the story, uh, uh, even the head jeller comes in and gets gloriously saved. Uh, uh, and I mean, just powerful things happen by evangelizing. Verse 29 of Acts 16. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. God got involved. Uh, the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. That's what happens in evangelizing. Amen. God powerfully moves, uh, and supernaturally we see chains broken, uh, lives uh, that were bound, uh, people set free. You know, there's churches in our city, I think, are loving this pandemic. Because they weren't doing anything before the pandemic. And now they have a reason not to do anything. Come on. You've seen, I've run into them. Oh, we just can't do anything. You know, we can't breathe on folks. We, we got to be careful. Look, secondly, key people. If we will evangelize, get out in the street, sinners... Uh, amen. Uh, uh, God will bring in sinners to the church. Amen. Key people will get saved. In 2017, Pastor Ortiz gave me a call. And he says, hey, Larry, he said, I want to let you know something before I launch these couples. I wanted to call you and tell you, he said, remember uh, Lorenzo and Alexa and Bromwin and Lynette? I said, absolutely. He said, I'm launching them out to preach this year. Now, uh, you got to know the story behind these. I remember Lorenzo came in, just a young, wild-eyed uh, guy, man, and uh, uh, his girlfriend, living with his girlfriend at the same time. They had a child, uh, uh, Brahman, real quiet guy, Lynette, same thing. But I remember working with these disciples, these, these young people, marrying them, uh, working with them again as they're married. And, and now Pastor T's launching them out uh, to preach and Pastor T sent me some video uh, a couple months ago. They, they both got a building, both got churches, got people. They they got disciples, got men and women in there rising up. Uh, see, that brings a joy to your heart. But they were key people. They were key men and women that God brought in, uh, and God had a destiny for their lives. Our text says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously pra uh, practiced sorcery, in the city and astonished people, the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying. This man is a great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in, a, the name of, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. As Simon himself also believed... Uh, and when, he was, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Simon was a key man here. He became a key person in Scripture. Uh, I know new converts, uh, 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 you know, well, let me say, I love new converts, but you don't know what they are in the beginning. Here's uh, Simon, he's practicing voodoo and magic uh, and witchcraft. Uh, He's uh, got the spell of the whole city. So everybody from the greatest to the youngest uh, said he's a great man. 
Uh, he's a great man of God. He's, he deceived this whole city uh, by witchcraft and voodoo. He's, he looks like the least likely guy that's going to be a key in the house of God. Uh, but he gets saved and he becomes a key person uh, in that congregation. See, the truth is, if we will evangelize, God will give us some Simons here. Jesus personally witnesses and brought in some key people, Mark chapter 4, or Matthew 4, 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called, yeah, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishermen of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, John, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. These men were key men. We know they became disciples. Uh, they had issues, but Jesus worked through those issues, uh, discipled them, uh, and, and they become the movers and shakers in, in Scripture. But he, my point is, Jesus got them through evangelizing. He didn't just sit in his room and, and pray him in, uh, but he's on the streets. He's seen him. He called him, uh, hey, come follow me. There's probably some witnessing going on there. Uh, he pulled, he caught, and they followed evangelizing works. Amen. Listen, key people will build the church up. Amen. Long before Philip went to Samaria uh, and had revival, he was a soul winner in the church. Look at John 1.43. Jesus went to Galilee and found Philip. And said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and, Phil, or Andrew and Peter, verse 44. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip, long before he was preaching in Samaria and had revival, he was just a soul winner in the church. He's a key man. He got saved. Jesus calls him. Uh, and immediately, uh, Philip goes, hey, I, I know a guy named Nathaniel. He's a friend of mine. He goes against Nathaniel. Uh, and you read through Scripture, he evangelized. He became a soul winner. You know, not everyone that gets saved in the church is a key. I've had my share of nutcases. But listen, even the nutcases can turn out to be key disciples. Mark 5, here's the nutcase. The Bible said the man lived in the tomb. He's a nutcase for sure. It meant he, uh, uh, but he was a key convert. I mean, you keep reading this man as a key. Uh, I mean, Jesus found him in his neck and he's crying out. He's howling at the moon. He got rocks cutting himself. Uh, they tried to chain him up and, and control him. He's out of control. But Jesus finds him like that. But you read a couple more scriptures. Uh, uh, he's clothed in his right mind. Uh, and later, if you follow this man's uh, uh, life, uh, he becomes a great evangelist to the ten cities, uh, the capitalists there, preaching the word of God. So even a nutcase can be a key. key. We see a lady, uh, John chapter 4, lady at the well, had issues, right? But she's a key convert. The Bible says she brought a whole city to Jesus. Amen. So we don't know who the nutcase and who isn't. <laughs> so we give everybody a shot, right? Because most that come to our door have some issues. Look at Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 6. Paul's pioneering that church. 
And he said this, he, he told him this at some point in disciples. He said, some of you were fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards. That's what you were. You were nutcases. When you came in, you had issues. Uh, but he goes on to say, but you were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. In other words, Paul said, when I found you, man, you're way out there. When I found you, you were without hope. Nobody would have gave you a... Uh, even uh, any time, but Paul says, listen, I understand uh, the power of the gospel. I preach, I evangelize, I preach. Uh, and look what God has made out of you. So we give everyone a fair shot here. See, truth is, key people are the people that will link hearts with you. How do you know who's the key, who's not? Because the key person links hearts with you. Look at our text here. The Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He's not going off on his own. He's not continuing his own ungodly practices, but he linked hearts to his pastor. And even though he's in that case, had problems, uh, Philip had to work through all kinds of things. Uh, you can't do voodoo anymore. You can't do witchcraft. You can't. You get, none of that's allowed in the church, you know. And you got to get converted. Uh, work through all that. But Philip, uh, uh, Simon linked his heart with Philip. He became a key person. Uh, that's what's critical and key people. That that's how you know somebody's key. They're going to link hearts with their pastor uh, and continue in the, the things of God. And God will give us Simons if we will evangelize. Look for Samuel 16. We're told when you're looking for a key man or woman, uh, don't make the mistake of just looking at the outside appearance, but look at the heart. Verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance and at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for he looks not at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. When God brings somebody in, when God's convicting somebody, God's dealing with the heart. I've seen some big old muscle dudes come into church, some really good-looking ladies uh, come into church, but in the month they're gone. They look to be the prize. And I ain't saying they can't get saved, and, but they look to be the prize, but their hearts was wrong. And I've seen some people come to church that, that had some look problems. Put it that way. But they come out, they turn out to be amazing disciples uh, because their heart is right. Key people are a blessing to the church. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, uh, this one that God said, I'm not looking at his physical appearance, but his heart. Uh, he said, he went on to fight Goliath and won a great battle for the church. New converts, key converts do that. Uh, they will fight giants uh, that many times the church are afraid of. These new converts stand, I can do that. I'll go preach. Uh, like Chad, uh, I'll preach. Give me a shot at it. Right? The Bible said, 1 Samuel 21, this is David's ministry. And everyone who is distressed, everyone who is in debt, everyone who is dis uh, disgruntled, uh, I mean, he became a captain over there. There's about 400 of them. This one convert brought 400 soldiers, trained them. There were 400 men, but he trained them to be soldiers, uh, 400 for the kingdom. Listen, each one of us can reach people. Key converts reaches people for Jesus. Look thirdly at the victory here. Our text shows us that victory takes three things. 
one that takes a man or a church or both willing to stand to fight. When things get tough, they don't quit, but they put on the gloves and enter the battle. Two, it takes evangelism. They, those that scattered went everywhere preaching, and Philip went down to Samaria preaching. So uh, it said, we're going to stay in the fight. We're not staying home from church, uh, but we're going to fight. Uh, and two, we're going to evangelize. Three, it takes God. Upon hearing Philip and seeing the miracles, which he did, unclean spirits came crying out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in the city. Uh, when we stay focused, stay in the fight, we evangelize, God gets involved, uh, that's the three things needed. If we can do that, we're going to have great victory. You know, when a man or woman, when a man or woman a church will stay in the fight, when a man or, uh, and a church will evangelize, God gives revival to that people. You know, I was thinking about Chandler. Uh, as I'm putting this sermon together and some of the things Pastor Campbell's been through. Not only some of the things Pastor Campbell's been through, but I know a lot of people in that church. I know some of the things they've been through. Uh, and I'm looking back at time now in history. Uh, they've stayed in the fight. They fought things through. They didn't quit when they could have quit. Uh, but they kept their hands to the plow. They kept evangelizing. Uh, and today they're, they're, God has given them incredible revival. I've watched people in churches, uh, I'm going to mention a couple names, go through some hard times. Uh, I remember Pastor Hector Ortiz when he went to South Africa to be a missionary. Uh, not long after he was there, he got attacked with some kind of eye disease. I remember he called me up, he said, I can't see, I got tri triple vision, uh, uh, and he's nervous, and he's, he don't know what to do. I said, hey, just stay in the fight, bro. Uh, stay in the fight. Uh, wasn't long after that, uh, uh, fire breaks loose in his house. They're sleeping at night, and a fire breaks out. He wakes up to a fire. You can imagine uh, the panic. Uh, he wakes up, and it's in his daughter's room. He goes in there, grabs the mattress, takes it out, throws it out. But in the meantime, it, the fire got over his hands and blood, did a lot of damage in his hands. But because he stayed in the fight, uh, the church is evangelized. God's given a powerful revival. Amen. Talk about Pastor James Martinez, his liver, liver failure, almost dies, uh, they said you got two weeks left and so, unless somebody gives you get a transplant. Well, no, he got a transplant. He's still preaching today. But I remember him and Christina stayed in the fight, uh, kept the church focused on evangelizing, and, and it's the church on powerful revival today. Amen. Pastor Meyer and Bridget, his wife, she gets, uh, she gets cancer. Uh, Pastor Myers goes through a number of health problems himself, but they keep the church focused on evangelize, and today they're having great revival. My point is, uh, if we will stay in the fight, evangelize, uh, that always equals revival. You know, Jesus is committed to the fight. He's committed to evangelism, and he's committed to revival. God wants revival more than we do. Think about this in Acts 8. I'm wondering what was going on in heaven uh, God couldn't wait, uh, I mean, for the churches to scatter and Philip to preach. Uh, God knew what he was going to do. Mark 16, 19. They went out everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming his word through accompanying signs. God said, I'm in this with you. Matthew 28, 20. I'm with you always even to the end of the age. 
You know, as believers, we need a little bit of kid dynamite in us, don't we? We need a little bit of some power punch. Uh, I'm reading the story of Mike Tyson. And they said the thing about Mike Tyson, he made the Jaws uh, glass Jaws. Of all of his opponents, I forget how many first-round knockouts uh, he had, uh, but his opponents uh, hit, hit him. You see these fight, uh, amazing fight, knock him out. And, but that's not the whole story. So I'm reading about his trainer. I'm, I'm trying to get some insight to how this guy becomes such a mighty fighter, what he had that many others didn't have. Uh, so his trainer tells this story about him. His trainer, Kaz Meadow, if I get his name right. Uh, but he said, Mike Tyson trained like an absolute beast. I couldn't get him to take a break. He trained like an absolute beast. Uh, so he gives his training daily regimen here. Seven days a week, 5 a.m., he gets up and does three-mile run. He comes home and he eats. He goes back to bed for a while. At 12 o'clock, he's back at it. 12 noon, uh, he does ring workouts, 10 rounds of sparring, bag work, skips bag, or uh, slip bag, jump ropes, uh, pad work, speed bag, uh, shadow boxing, focused on techniques, many times just one. At 2 p.m., he has a meal, steak and pasta with fruit juice. 3 p.m., more ring work at 60 minutes on the exercise bike, 5 p.m., 2,000 setups, 500 to 800 dips, 5,000 press-ups, 500 shrugs uh, with a 30 kg barbell, and 10 minutes of neck exercise. 7 p.m., steak and pasta meal and fruit juice once again. 8 p.m., another 30 minutes on the exercise bike, then watches TV, a little TV, and goes to bed. That's why it was great. That's what made that's what made churches great. We don't just become a great church. It's our it's our decision. We're going to stay in the fight. We're not backing down. Uh, we're going to be Christians. We're going to stay in the fight. We're going to evangelize. We're going to keep evangelizing. Uh, we're going to keep doing that. And God gets involved. But that's what makes churches great. We can talk about Prescott, uh, Chandler, all the way down, all the other great churches we have. But what makes them so great is they're is they're the same. I mean, at Pastor Mitchell's funeral, I'm watching it online. That was one of the things of Pastor Heinberg would say, Pastor Mitchell is the same 30 years ago as he is today. Yeah. Same message, same person. You're not guessing who is he. Uh, he's the same. Yeah. Truth, if we're going to have revival, we're not going to have it sitting on our couch. But if we stay committed and evangelize, God will build up disciples that we can launch out to preach in a harvest field. That's the goal, amen. We're going to launch some couples. That's our goal. We want to do, I'd love to do that every year. Will you ready yourself for that? Last thing we see here, the Holy Spirit comes to the help. The Holy Spirit will always come to the help. To fight hell, to evangelize our city, and help us disciple men and women and launch churches. Look at our scripture here. And when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, as of yet, they got saved, they got water baptized, but there's nobody filled the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and the, the mother church said, it's critical that you fill the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to help them and will help them. Uh, goes on to say, they lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit wants to help us have revival. Listen, the apostles, Peter and John, remembered 
what Jesus had told them back in Luke 24, verse 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and be raised from the dead on the third day, and that repentance of remission of sins should be preached in his name in all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until uh, you, you are endured with power from on high. In other words, listen, the Spirit of God wants to help you. Let Him help you. And for, the, for the life of me, I can't think of how church can operate without the Holy Ghost. There are churches today that fight to keep Him out. We don't want Him out. We speak in tongues. Ah, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to... And we keep him out, but the Bible said, Jesus said, wait till you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, well, the evidence of being filled, they were speaking in tongues. Uh, and the whole city said, man, we're hearing something in there. Something's happening. Uh, Peter stands up. We're not drunk as you think we are, but we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We have a heavenly language. We're speaking in tongues. Uh, and powerful miracles begin to take place. We need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that transforms lives. It's not you and I. Yes. I don't care how good we can preach. I don't care how good our programs are. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that changes hearts, converts men and women. Uh, and we desperately need God in our churches. Acts 2, after church got filled with the Holy Spirit, they evangelized the world. They discipled men's lives, workers into the harvest field. After they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, we need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Amen. Let me close here. I talked about the clash. Listen, if we're going to be an evangelistic church, we're going to have to expect hell to show up every once in a while. Hell's going to fight back. Uh, the devil, he, he, he's silly and stupid. We know that, but he's no coward. He will stand up and fight even though he knows he's defeated. He just hopes you don't know that. He just hope we don't realize that. Uh, he just hope we don't realize as we evangelize uh, that we already have the victory. People will get saved uh, if we will evangelize. He's hoping that we don't remember that. Listen, if we're going to see our church built, uh, we're going to have to evangelize, bottom line. Jesus came to evangelize uh, the new church after they got filled with the Holy Ghost. They're evangelizing. And my third point is we need the Holy Spirit to help us in this. We're going to pray for some people here in a moment to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're a new convert this morning, you've just freshly come to the kingdom, or you're an older convert, you're not speaking in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to be. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. I have a couple of guys up here. We're going to pray for you that you get filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads very quickly.